lives, and um, I'm very excited to be able to share with you today. And I want to talk to you for just a little while on the topic of spiritual authority. Spiritual authority. This is a subject that I never really heard about in my early years as a believer. Maybe some of you did, but I didn't. The group that I was with really didn't know we had authority. We really didn't know, and, and therefore we didn't exercise it. Because if you don't know you have it, and you don't know how to use it, in many respects it's just like not having it at all. But the fact is, every Christian, every member of the body of Christ has powerful spiritual authority. Not just a little bit, not just barely enough, but you have more than enough spiritual authority to exercise and make your life different, and in many cases, the lives of other people to be different. The word that is translated authority in the New Testament, the Greek word is exousia, E-X-O-U-S-I-A, and the word means authority. And it's also sometimes translated power, but when it's translated power, it is in the sense of authority or power as a synonym. And it also means right, as in the Bill of Rights, as in your right to do something. And so I want to give us a working definition, and we'll probably be on this subject today. Well, I know we'll be on it today, but uh, probably one more week at least. I want to talk about some practical things concerning this, but... We'll use this working definition if it's okay. Authority for the believer is the right to act in Christ's stead. The believer's authority, our spiritual authority as Christians, is our right to act as Jesus would act if he were here in person. To say what he would say and to do what he would do and to expect the same results. And so, we exercise authority primarily in words, but also there is an aspect of exercising authority in deeds. But it's not automatic. And that's something that's really important for us to understand this morning. Spiritual authority will not work for you in an automatic fashion, not to any great degree. It's not automatic in its application. It does nothing if we don't use it. And that's just what I mentioned <clears throat> about my early days as a Christian. I didn't know anything about it and wasn't taught anything about it. As a matter of fact, that, that phrase, spiritual authority, wasn't even used in our circles. And uh, so therefore, we didn't exercise it and we didn't enjoy the benefits of it to any great extent. So if you don't know what it is and you don't use it, and you don't know how it works, then it's not going to be effective for you. Now, let me give you a real simple... Today's message is so simple. I mean, any, any of the kids here can understand it, I think, and uh, some of it at least. And let me give you a real good picture of spiritual authority. Everybody's familiar with the police. We're familiar with people on the highway, and we know that when you come to a certain situation, maybe, and... Lights are flashing, things are going on, and there's this guy, he's in a uniform. He is authorized, he has authority from the state to 
stop traffic. And so when you come to an intersection or any place along the road, and there's a policeman standing there with his hand up, you know what that means. That means you're to stop. Why do you do that? Because he has authority. And he's exercising his authority. And at that moment, the law is on his side, and so it would be illegal not to stop. He has authority to stop traffic. But it's important to understand this. Even if he's in great shape, let's say he's 230 pounds, all muscle, six foot four, just a brute of a guy, he still doesn't have power or physical strength to stop your car. I mean, even if it's a little old wimpy car. He doesn't have, if you, if you decide that you're not stopping and he doesn't move, you're going to run him over. You're going to probably kill him. That's not good, is it? So that's the difference between power and authority. What we're talking about is your authority. Now, the good part about this is, uh, this is a kind of a ridiculous sounding illustration, but it kind of gives us a really good picture of what I want you to see. Let's take that same policeman and let's put him in a tank in the middle of the road with the big gun pointing right at your car. And he holds his hand up. Now, he has authority to stop you, but he also has the power to blow you out of the road. That's you. Woo, glory to God. That's you. You have authority and you are filled with power. So when we talk about the power of God, and you know, we Pentecostals, we do like to talk about the power of God. Some people think we go to seed on the subject, but uh, I don't know how you can have too much, and you can't hardly talk about it too much, but we do like to talk about the power of God. We know that there's power to save, power to heal, power to deliver. The power of God is a wonderful, powerful, glorious thing, and it's been given to us through the person and presence of the Holy Spirit and by the Word, and so therefore we can use power. But you know that if you don't really understand and exercise authority, you can ha be full of power but not get much done. If I were to go on a military base today and try to get into a tank and drive it away, it wouldn't work because I don't have authority to do that. I'm not authorized. But I want you to know today that you are both authorized and empowered by the Holy Ghost to act in Christ's stead in any and every situation in your life you will ever come to. You never enter a hospital room. You never enter a courtroom. You never enter an office. You never enter into a home, a building. You never get in your car. You never go out into your yard. You don't go anywhere as a spirit-filled believer without power and authority that's yours and available to use. So that begs the question, why would we ever be defeated by the devil? Why would we ever just lay down, you know, and, and take whatever he offers? We don't have to. We do not have to. Now, if you'll open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 1, 
I want to read to you a prayer that I've read here many, many times in this pulpit. We've come at this from a lot of different angles to teach great and various truths. But today I want to read this and I want you to look at this passage again with me in light of our topic of spiritual authority, particularly your spiritual authority. And I want you to see that that's one of the things that Paul was praying about here because we're going to read a prayer that he prayed. And of course, we'll start with verse number 15 because that's when he begins to uh, introduce the prayer and then he gets into it. So I want you to read it along with me beginning from Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15. He says, Wherefore I also... After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And here's what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. So he's praying about things that we need to know. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the, number one, hope of his calling, and number two, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and then number three, and this is the one we'll focus on in a moment, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, <coughs> according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought or worked in Christ. So he's explaining what kind of power he's talking about. He's talking about resurrection power, the power of exaltation of Jesus after he had redeemed us and even descended into the lower parts of the earth to conquer death, hell, and the grave, and Satan and all of his hosts. So he wants... So included in these three things, the hope of our calling and the riches of the glory of our inheritance, is a revelation about this kind of power. He raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above, not just a little ways, not barely there, but far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Not only in this world, and that's important about the name. That's important about the name. You, we'll see that more as we go along. Every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things, not some of them, not even temporarily, but hath put all things under his feet and gave him, that's Jesus, to be the head over all things to the church, that's us which is his body, that's us, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Paul prayed here for us to see our position in Christ. Because to operate in spiritual authority the way that God wants us to, and to enjoy the benefits of being one who has spiritual authority, we must understand Number one, who we are. Number two, where we are in Christ. And number three, what we have in Him now. 
That's a lifetime quest. That's a study that will take the rest of your life. And the more you study it and the more you meditate on it and the more you learn about it, the more powerful and the more blessed and the more happy you're going to be. You must understand who you are in Christ, where you are in Christ, and what you have in Christ right now. Now I want you to go over just a few pages in your Bible to the book of Colossians chapter number 2 and verse number 15. This is a powerful, powerful verse that the devil wishes wasn't in your Bible. That the devil never likes to hear anybody read or quote. And most of all, he doesn't want anybody to truly understand what this is about. But Colossians 2.15 says, And having spoiled, one translation says disarmed. Having spoiled principalities and powers, and that's talking about evil and wicked spirits. And of course, it's talking about Jesus being the one who spoiled principalities and powers. It says he, Jesus, made a show of them openly. Do you know that every demon in hell knows the devil's been defeated? Every evil spirit, even wicked spirits in the high places, even principalities and powers, there are different degrees and levels of authority even in the satanic kingdom. But everyone from the highest to the least in rank in the kingdom of darkness already knows the devil has been defeated by the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. It's not going to happen. It, it's not a thing of it might happen. It's not about us hoping that it'll happen. It is a done deal. It's a finished thing. It is accomplished. Jesus has defeated the devil. And he is right now, as Paul said in Ephesians 1, under our feet under the feet of Jesus today because we've been made a part of his body when you were born again you were brought into the kingdom of God yes but you were also brought into the body of Christ we've been made a part of his body and we have been seated with him in heavenly places seated with Christ in heavenly places amen I want you to look in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4. We'll begin reading there where Paul says, But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace you're saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that means if Satan has been put under the feet of Jesus, and that's what Ephesians 1 says and makes clear, Colossians 2.15 makes it obvious, if the devil is now under the feet of Jesus, and we're a part of his body, and we are seated with him in heavenly places, then that means Satan is under your feet as well. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So it might just be a good habit to address the devil by looking down. You might want to write him a note on the bottom of your shoe. You're a loser. You know, nobody's been a loser longer than the devil. And he is a sore loser, I'll grant you that. But he is a loser. And I don't care what kind of a situation you're facing. And I don't care what the circumstances look like. And I say that 
as a figure of speech, it's not that I don't care anything about anybody's problems. But what I mean by that is that it doesn't matter how big the problem is. And it doesn't matter what the need is. The God inside of you is greater than the devil that's attacking you. And the Satan that's under your feet cannot rise up and take over your life. If you will exercise spiritual authority and walk in obedience to God, you can put the devil under your feet, keep him there forever. Hallelujah. Now we're going we're gonna to get into more of this as we go on and, and next week particularly some practical things. But uh, I wanted to bring up today this question. Have you ever wondered where all those demons went that Jesus dealt with? Have you ever wondered where they are? I think some people believe that they're gone forever and, and they're not even around. One of Satan's great strategies is to try to convince people that he's not really real. Satan obviously fell from heaven because of a pride problem. So obviously he's got ego issues. But he's so cunning as to realize that one of his most effective ploys and tactics is to make people think that he doesn't really exist that they, they have no concern about him at all. And actually, to go even a step further, in the process of people living their lives, he would like to convince people that really, he's not a problem, that God is their problem. And that's the sad part about a lot of, quote, traditional religious teaching. I mean, you ask the average person you might meet on the street, as we say, at the mall or wherever, a restaurant, wherever you go, you ask them, you know, about some terrible thing that happened. And, and you might be surprised at how many of those people actually think that God did it. And if he didn't actually do it, well, you know, he's God, so he allowed it for some reason. And you, you even have written in legal documents like your insurance policies the, the term acts of God. And they, uh, they, they call things like tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes acts of God. Have you noticed that whenever you, uh, you see people interview someone over some tragedy, whether it's a man-made tragedy like some mass murder shooting or whatever, or whether it's even a natural disaster, you notice that, that people never do talk about the devil. They never do mention Satan. It's either man's problem or some political machine that's caused it or whatever they want to blame it on, or they blame it on God. It's just an act of God, they say. Or, you know, if we, if we would just outlaw this, outlaw that, if we would change this, if somebody else was in power, then everything would change. But nobody wants to mention the devil. Because, you know, if you mention the devil uh, on the news, then they're going to edit that out probably. If they leave it in, it'll just be in an attempt to make you look foolish. But I want to tell you something today. It's not popular and it's certainly not uh, in keeping with modern thought. But devils and demons are still here in the earth. Now in America, in our culture today, we don't see uh, as many full-blown demon-possessed people as maybe they would have seen in the days of Jesus because in our culture today, we, we have a tendency when people get uncontrollable, 
we warehouse them and we fill them full of drugs. We turn them into zombies who just sit and stare and, and uh, are almost physically even incapable of functioning. And we just house them away and keep them out of sight. But the truth is, those demons that Jesus dealt with, they're still around and sometimes you need to still deal with them in your life, in your day, in your time. You say, why is that? Uh, if Jesus came and defeated the devil, didn't his triumph over them render all demons helpless and bound? Well, according to Paul, that's not the case. Let's, we're in the book of Ephesians. Go to chapter 6. Now, today we're going to only get started, so I know I'll probably leave you with some questions that's not yet answered, but hopefully... Next week, we'll put uh, a lid on some of those things as well. But I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. This is very, very basic, very simple stuff. But Paul says here, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, in His mighty strength or ability. Put on... So it's not going to get on you automatically. You've got to put it on. You, the understood subject of the sentence. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand against the wiles of the devil. Some of you are old enough to remember the old time cartoons and you remember Wile E. Coyote. That was on purpose. Wile E. He, he, he had lots of different uh, uh, plans, you know, lots of different ways to try to Overtake the roadrunner. Bless his heart. He never made it. But anyway, wiles here. An old English word. We don't use that much. But it means devices, methods, the way the devil does things. So we want to, we want to as believers, be able to stand against those methods and so forth. Because verse 12 goes on to say, for or because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not my enemy. Now think about your mother-in-law and say, you're not my enemy. Hallelujah. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. There is no human that's your real problem. I know you think you married him, but really, really there is no human that is your problem. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And then he goes on to tell us that we need to have our spiritual armor on, obviously, so that we can do the battle necessary and win. So how do we justify or reconcile these two positions? How did Paul start out this letter talking about the devil being under the feet of Jesus and we're the body of Christ, meaning that he's also under our feet. And then he comes over here to the very last chapter and talks about doing spiritual battle. That is a question that if you get it properly answered in a biblical way, it will really clear up a lot of questions and it will really help you understand your place in exercising and using spiritual authority. First of all, I want to mention that Ephesians 6 and 12 is after the cross. So the idea that 
Just because Jesus went to the cross, we have no responsibility about our Christian life. We have no responsibility about dealing with devils and demons. That becomes uh, not correct. You, you can't say that. Now, I know there are a lot of people today, and I, I'm maybe going to get out into some high weeds here, and I, but I won't stay long. <laughs> but there are a lot of people today that seem to have the idea, there are certain teachings that seem to lend themselves to this thought, that, well, you know, because of the, the completed work of Jesus, and particularly because of the grace of God, that there's really not much of anything for us to do but just receive all the goodies. That it really doesn't matter. Not only it doesn't matter how you live, but it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, if you've been born again, you're okay. You're in the door. You're all right. It's going to be fine. The problem is, of course, with that, it's not working for people. If you don't go past that, if you don't learn what your role is as a believer, if you don't understand your part, then you're going to miss most of the good stuff that God intended for you to do. And so we want to tackle this issue this morning and give you a little bit of information to think about. And if this doesn't sound like something you've heard before, and if it makes you wonder, then that's good. Study it. Don't accept it because I say it. Go to your Bible. Prove it for yourself. But here's what I want to tell you. Demons are still here because of their legal right given to them by Adam in his treason and his fall. You are not going to be so holy or so full of faith on this side of the coming of Jesus. In other words, in your lifetime here on the earth, you're not going to be so good, so faithful, so powerful, and so knowledgeable that you'll never have to deal with the devil. And let me say this, ignoring the devil is not really dealing with the devil. Trying to ignore him is putting up with him. And I heard a song years ago, and I liked the words, Don't let the devil ride. It had some good music. Don't, don't let the devil ride. And it's, you know, that was repeated several times, and then it got to the punchline of the verse. Because if you let him ride, he'll want to drive. Don't let him ride. That's a good song. I like that. Because it's absolutely the truth. If you just think you're going to put up with the devil, I'm going to put up with a little of this. I'm going to put up with a little of that. I'm not going to bother to stand against it. I'm not going to use my faith against it. I'm not going to be one of those fanatics that go around pleading the blood and using the name of Jesus. I'm not going to do all of that stuff. Well, guess what? He won't be satisfied with that little corner of the seat. He keeps inching over inching over. I remember when Glenn and I were dating, it was back before the days of all these crazy laws now, and man, she would sit over there right beside of me under the wheel. Praise. I mean, I was under the wheel. She wasn't exactly under the wheel, but she was close as she could get. She didn't sit over there against the door. But now you do. What is it? <laughs> well, we only have two seats. She has two. But I heard somebody told a story not long ago about uh, Brother uh, Bishop G.E. Patterson there in Memphis. He's going to be with the Lord now. He was the, the overseer of the Church of God in Christ and how that he uh, was talking to his wife, Sister Louise, about how that she, he, she used to sit over close to him and um, 
all that kind of stuff. You know, he's kind of fussing at her about it. And uh, so she just answered back, you know, before I guess she really thought. And, um, and so his answer to her was, I haven't moved. I'm still in the driver's seat, you know. So who moved? So I don't know what happened after that. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, if you let the devil get in the seat, guess what? He will get over close. Because he really wants to shove you out the door and kill you and take over and drive the car. I mean, he hasn't changed. He's, he, he's, he's still come to steal, kill, and destroy. And you can't play with him. That's my whole point here. You put up with a little pain, you'll get more. You put up with a little sickness, it'll get worse. You put up with a little poverty, a little lack here, a little lack there. You do without here, it'll get worse. The devil doesn't compromise. He comes with one thing in mind, and that's total victory. You've got to get that mindset that gets in your heart that's in a good way, and you need to start thinking of total victory. You and I have got to quit putting up with stuff. We've got to quit letting the devil have his place in our life. We've got to run him totally out of the house. Open the door and kick him out. Do whatever it takes to walk in victory. Because I'm telling you that when God gave Adam dominion, and I want to go back to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Would you turn there? And that's easy to find, you know. Genesis chapter 1, if you can't find that, stay after church. We need, we need to pray with you and help you. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. Dominion. I want you to see that. Because when God gives you something, he really does give it to you. And if you want to know what happened in the fall, what happened when Adam yielded to the devil and he fell spiritually... There were a number of things that happened. He did die spiritually. He did commit high treason against God. He made the worst mistake that any human has ever made in all of the world. But also, he sold his dominion to the devil. And there was a, obviously a period of time, we would call it in modern terms, a lease that Adam had on the earth, when God said, you run the earth, you name all the stuff, you, you're the boss, you're in charge. That's what God actually said. He said, I'm giving you dominion. And of course, that dominion runs until Jesus comes back. You know, at least until the second coming, it's going gonna, it's gonna to run. And do you know that when God gives you something, he really does give it to you? And it was Adam's dominion. It was his authority. And so when Adam committed treason and sold out to the devil, he gave his authority over to the devil. Now, I know a lot of religious-minded folks don't like to hear that. Because they want to think, well, God is in control of everything. And that's really convenient, when, especially for a preacher, so you can blame everything on God. I think it's very sad when a preacher rather than to say, I don't know, would rather say, let's blame God. I think there's a problem there. But it happens all the time. It happens all the time. But the fact is, a lot of this we do know because we just know that it's from the devil. 
doesn't mean people are necessarily bad people or in sin per se. But a lot of times bad things happen to good people. Well, the, our job is to not let them happen. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And so when God gave Adam this dominion and then Adam gave it over to the devil, then until Adam's lease is up, the devil is now called, according to 2 Corinthians 4 and verse number 4, he's called the God of this world. Now that's a little g. He's not sovereign. He's not God as, as in our Father God. But he is a Lord or a ruler of this in this world. And so we find ourselves now uh, in Christ having restored, having, having our authority and dominion restored back to us uh, in, in spiritual terms. But what we realize is that when Adam sold out his authority to the devil, Satan got involved in the lives of men. And he began to use the authority of man against himself and against the earth that had been created for man. Listen to this. In this fallen state, Adam was no longer in the same position of authority and dominion as before. Now Adam is actually subjugated to the enemy of God. We've been in Ephesians, and we'll go back there again in chapter 2. And I want to read to you a couple of verses to explain man's fallen position after the fall. What happened? Verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Think about that. No hope. To be without covenant, to be without God is to have no hope and without God in the world. But I love verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh or made near or made close by the blood of Jesus. Aren't you grateful for what Jesus has done? And so what we lost in Adam, we, we regained through Christ. Through Christ, we regained our rightful position. But since Satan is here until Adam's lease is up, we find ourselves in a world that we are no longer of. We are surrounded by a curse that we're legally free from but which constantly attempts to overtake us. The only way to stand against that is to use your God-given spiritual authority. Only through active faith and resistance to the power of the enemy, through the authority of Jesus, can you ever live free from the curse of this present life. And passivity is never the way to victory. Ignoring it is not going to make it go away. Ignorance is not going to make it go away. Miracles today require our cooperation. Miracles today require our action. Every time you see a miracle in the Bible, you see God dealing with man as a manward side and a Godward side. I mean, just think about it. Think about all those marvelous miracles you can read from Old Testament through the New and time and time and time and time again, you see the Godward side, the miraculous side, the power side, the blessing side. And you'll also see the manward side. Naaman had to dip seven times. The blind man had to go wash in the pool of Bethesda. You'll see uh, the, the pole with the serpent had to be put up in the wilderness. And everyone who looked lived. 
I mean, over and over, the woman with a little bit of food left, she had to give to the prophet first and give him something. And then that seed turned into a harvest that sustained her and her son all through the remainder of that famine. I mean, over and over and over and over again, you see the Godward side, but you also see the manward side. Because God, and I know that some people would have a problem with this statement. I don't mean it disrespectfully at all. But I just want you to understand that God needs your cooperation in the accomplishment of his will in the earth today. He designed it that way, and that's how it is. And as a born-again child of God, washed in the blood, with the indwelling Holy Spirit in you, and access to speak God's words, you have all you need to exercise authority over any attack of the devil and walk in the victory that Jesus has provided. Yes, those demons are there. They're around. Oh, you just have to look at your TV and you can see their demons. Just go to the mall and you'll see folks and you can tell they're not right. Something, you know, this is from the devil. I'm not saying that they're out cutting themselves with stones and running among the tombs, but, uh, you know, there are different degrees of... of um, Activity that the devil tries to operate through people. Not everybody that's oppressed of the devil is possessed of the devil. And there are various kinds of spirits. And those are some of the things that we'll talk about more next time. But I just want you to understand that you must choose to put God's word in your mouth. You must choose to exercise the power of attorney that's been given to you to use the name of Jesus. If I gave you power of attorney to uh, operate uh, it with my checkbook, then you could write a check in my place. You could use my name, and it would, it would be the same as if I were doing it. I'm not going to do that, by the way. But uh, you understand, Jesus did that for us. He isn't here physically, but you are. He expects you to act like he would act. He expects you to say what he would say and do what he would do. You have been authorized. You've been authorized to stop the devil. And some of you need to just actively do that in your family, your marriage, with your children or grandchildren, with your finances, with your body. You just need to gather yourself spiritually Get in a place where you have a little time and you can just devote and look into the Word of God. And you need to just start standing up to the devil. Don't take what he brings. Don't let him ride because he will want to drive and you don't want to go where he's going to take you. Don't compromise with sexual sin. Don't compromise with drugs and alcohol. Don't compromise with lust and don't compromise with anger. I, I want to mention this uh, if you open the door to unbridled anger, you are opening your door, open up the door of your heart to evil spirits. And that's one of the things that I see today that's very, very uh, alarming uh, in, in, in modern day American parenting is that a lot of times people are allowing children to just throw tantrums. All kids cry and throw fits. We know that. But I mean just excessive, abusive type things. And what they don't realize is they're opening the door for evil spirits. They're opening the door for manifestations that won't get better. They'll get worse. You cannot medicate the devil out of anybody. And you're not going to just counsel the devil out of everybody. Sometimes things need to be forcibly 
dealt with. Now, if that scares you, I'm sorry. I don't mean to scare you, but I want to awaken you that you need to learn about your spiritual authority and you need to exercise it. And I know there's a whole Christian culture in America today that's just kind of like easy come, easy go. We don't talk about these hard subjects. We don't talk about these dark, deep subjects. We just keep it all easy peasy, you know, gooey, ooey type stuff. And I like all the gooey, ooey, easy peasy too. But, but uh, I've had to deal with the devil at times. And you have to do it from a place of knowledge and you have to do it from a place of authority. And you've got to be consistent. Amen. So, Father God, today we're grateful for the message, for the word. And I know, Lord, that we didn't get done. And I'm sure all the people here realize that. There's more to come and more that's needed. And, Lord, we believe you and trust you for that, that you will give us exactly what we need to say in our next meeting. But, Lord, we do thank you today for opening our eyes. We thank you for teaching us. We thank you for helping us. We thank you for instructing us. And, Father God, today maybe there is someone today you know, Lord. I don't know, but you do. For adventure, there is one here or one watching or more than one that doesn't know you, that perhaps has opened the door to the devil, and their life is not what it needs to be. Sin is dominating them. I pray right now that you would show them that through Jesus, there is deliverance. Through Jesus, there is power. And in the name of Jesus, there is authority over all the works of the enemy. Now, I want you to do one thing as you're seated in his presence and as you just kind of close yourself in, close your eyes. I'm not asking you to make some public declaration. I'm not asking you to do anything that would bring attention to you or embarrass you. But I am asking you that you would look inside and be very honest. Is there an area where you've let the devil right along is there an area in your life that you know you're playing with fire you know what I mean by that it's going to burn you the outcome won't be good it's time to close that door it's time to deal with that issue this isn't something that just somebody else can pray away from you This isn't just something that's going to be taken care of just because you even go to church regularly and faithfully, and that's important to do. But you've got to get clean, and you've got to get clear, and you've got to get free. What I propose to do in response to this message today is to join my faith with yours. And I know that I have authority. I know the name of Jesus is powerful. And I'm going to use that authority in agreement with you, and you're going to be set free. It might be pornography. It might be a bombardment of constant lustful evil thoughts. It might be jealousy and unforgiveness. It might be envy of that which others have or that which they do. It could be anger issues. You don't need anger management. You need to get free of that spirit. You say, well, I'm a believer. Well, I'm not saying that any believer has a spirit inside their spirit because they don't. if If you're a new creation, you're a new creation. But many people are oppressed in their mind. 
there are mental strongholds. We'll talk more about that again, but, but let me just throw that out there. There are mental strongholds that need to be cast down. And some people have yielded, and though the Spirit is not inside of them to the point that they're lost and damned, they are so harassed that Spirit is, is affecting their lifestyle. It's affecting their personality. Some are, are affected and tormented by a spirit of infirmity. Producing various kinds of sickness and disease. I know in my own life I've had to deal with that in the past. It became clear to me that that was one of the things that I was dealing with. And, and it doesn't take all day. It doesn't take 20 years. You don't have to fast two weeks. And you don't need to get 45 spirit-filled people yelling and screaming in your ear for it to happen. You can take authority right now. Right now. This isn't just a convenient way to end another service. But this is important. This is an appointment. Some of you came here today for this appointment and you didn't know what you were coming for really. But you're here. And all I'm asking you to do is agree with me. And I want everybody to say amen when I'm finished. But I want you particularly that you know this is for you. I want you to give your heartfelt amen in agreement and take the freedom and take the liberty that is yours today. So in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, with power and authority of the Great Commission, as a servant of the Most High God, a minister of the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, in accordance with the Word of God, that we have authority over the devil and demons, and he is actually under our feet, Satan, I serve notice upon you. You were defeated 2,000 years ago at Calvary's cross. According to Colossians 2 and 15, everybody in the spiritual dimension knows of your defeat. Your days are numbered. You don't have a good-looking future at all. But we also understand that there is liberty and freedom for every man, woman, and child in this room today through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so in the name of Jesus, I come into agreement with everyone under the sound of my voice today that they go free in Jesus' name. Free of every manifestation, free of every harassment that the devil would bring. In Jesus' name, I declare unto you, be saved, be healed, be delivered, and be set free. In the name of Jesus Christ, I take authority over every unclean spirit. I take authority over every spirit of infirmity. I take authority over every spirit of rebellion. I take authority over every lying spirit. I take authority over every manifestation of the enemy that would try to rear its ugly head. And I say, Satan, you stay under our feet where you belong. This affliction, if that's the case, will not arise again the second time. Nahum 1.9 We believe that we are once and for all free and we declare we will maintain our freedom. <coughs> because the name of Jesus is the name above every name. And at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And since the name of Jesus is above every name, it's above the name cancer. It's above the name heart disease. It's above the name arthritis. It's above the name of poverty. It's above every name. 
And we rejoice today in the fact that we have authority to use that name. We have been given legal power of attorney and we have been sent into our world to say and do what Jesus would do. That's our authorization. That's our spiritual authority. And no devil in hell, not even the devil himself, can stop us. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Could we put up our hands and just laugh a little bit? Praise the Lord. Oh, glad to be free today. I'm glad to be free today. Hallelujah.